Our second reading this morning is from the Gospel of St. Luke, the fifth chapter, and you can also find it printed in the middle of your bulletin insert if you'd like to follow along. Once, while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Genesaret, and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked all night long, but have caught nothing. Yet if you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Go away from me, Rabbi, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching People. When they had brought their boats to the shore, they left everything and followed him. Here ends our reading. After an argument, especially one I've been invested in, have tried to approach from a healthy place, and that isn't fruitful, I try to soothe my mind. I want to disentangle myself from it, yet I'm unable, maybe unwilling, to disengage. The conversation is over, but I'm still having fights in my head, still trying to clarify what I meant, still trying to bridge the disconnect, searching how could I have communicated more effectively, listened more fully, spoken more pastorally, more relationally. Their voices, whoever they happen to be, keep coming. Their faces, snapshots of their responses, of their incredulousness, of their shutting down, unable to hear, unwilling now to humor me. And then, Another voice comes, as if out of the deepest waters of my being, held for just such a moment, and I'm free. Isaiah's community was in an argument. Our reading from this morning comes from what is known as First Isaiah, written about what came before, before the Babylonian exile. Assyria was a growing threat to little nations like 
the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. And the people had a choice. Do we revolt against Assyria, relying on the use of military and diplomatic alliances with neighboring nations like Egypt? Or do we accept becoming a vassal of Assyria, pay them tribute, and rely on them for protection? Israel chose the first option, and it ended in devastation the fall of the northern kingdom, and the deportation of most of the people. Isaiah lived in Jerusalem, the capital of Judah. And though he was standing in opposition to his counterparts and widespread opinion, it was his theological position that relying on neighboring nations went against trusting in God alone for protection. So he spoke against making an alliance with Egypt and prophesied against those who didn't heed his warnings and who didn't put their trust fully in God. Just following our reading come these words. God said, go say to the people, hear indeed, but do not understand. See indeed, but do not grasp. Dull that people's mind. Stop its ears and seal its eyes, lest seeing with its eyes and hearing with its ears, it also grasp with its mind and repent and save itself. I asked, how long, my God? And God replied, till towns lie in waste without inhabitants and houses without people and the ground lies waste and desolate, for God will banish the population and deserted sites are many in the midst. Of the land. Such prophecies of judgment were not well received. And I imagine Isaiah's vision of God was a source of encouragement for him, a rebuttal from a deep well of persistence in response to those who would challenge his authority. He was sent by the great God so big that the hems of the divine robes filled the entire temple and the voices of the ones who proclaimed God's holiness shook the pivots of the threshold. The whole earth was filled with the presence of God. In Isaiah's vision, the boundaries between the human and the divine become a little less solid. As a human, he shouldn't have been able to survive seeing God. Yet, auspiciously, he lived to tell the tale. And he not only lived, but was commissioned. It was from this divine authority, this God who had brooded over the depths of the water at creation, that he was sent to speak. Was Isaiah's vision his response to the conversation that had already ended with those who opposed him in the community? There are all sorts of images for God. Sometimes I wonder if we need the greatness of God because we feel small. But we are able to do great things even when we feel, even when we are, small. 
Luke describes a crowd following Jesus as they reach the shore of a lake. Hungry for more, they press in on him. And poignantly, he looks to the fishermen who have been fishing all night, but whose nets are empty. And he gets into Simon's boat, calls him to join him and go into the deep waters. And together with the other fishermen, they bring in two boatloads full. I imagine Jesus could have just gone and gotten the fish on his own. But that's not how the story goes. They do it together. You think you can't do this thing? Let me show you. Simon thought the conversation about continuing to fish was done. They'd worked all night, and it wasn't as satisfying as they'd hoped it would be. But in response to all the letdowns that might have filled his mind, they went back out again. And Simon and his fishermen brethren are left with renewed purpose, with self-efficacy, believing like Isaiah in having been commissioned to continue. As is the case in life, in these stories from Isaiah and Luke, the line is very small between miraculous success and being overcome by the waters, between being bestowed with the greatest honor and of very intimately facing one's finitude. It's enough to make one afraid to move. But Isaiah, and even sweet, fumbling Simon called Peter, continue. What are the voices from the depths of the water that rise to the surface that enable you to keep going? To right the boat again when you're about to fall in. Voices that stand with you that recognize your worry and return you to your sense of purpose, what you have been called to do. When the arguments happen and spin-outs begin, it's easy to go to self-doubt. And while there are times when we are wrong, when our perspective could benefit from expanding, Sometimes we are called not to abandon what we believe is right, is true. When everyone is against you, it is risky to hang out there on a limb. But that's where the fruit is. And Isaiah was hanging out there on a limb, whether we agree with his theological position or not. As if given one of Isaiah's visions or the sound of Jesus' voice saying, do not be afraid, whether from somewhere deep within our subconscious or in nature or in the words of a friend, a reminder often does come that it's okay. It's okay, they didn't get it. I don't need to distrust myself. As if refined by fire, my sense of purpose my sense of calling can be renewed. And this renewed vision can come in the face of what scares us most. There is a practice used by those who do work with dreams. 
When a monster is chasing you, stop running. Turn around and ask it, what do you want? This thing you were afraid of might actually be an opportunity to stand with yourself. It might be asking you to pay attention to what's been hurting or what's been disorienting you. A bear might transform into a pastoral animal needing to be protected, cared for. As when Isaiah faced God and found strength in the place of death, as when Simon witnessed a miracle of overwhelming proportions and did not drown but became the rock of the church, you might find your strength calling your attention. A voice rising as if out of the deepest waters of your being held for just such a moment, enabling you to keep going disentangled and free. May we have the ears to hear, the vision to see, and the wisdom to understand. Amen.